So I was preparing and sometimes uh, you've got a few messages there and that's what's happened with me. So last night I had two sermons, two messages and I prayed about it as I did preparing for this coming up to the Sunday. But then around about 11 o'clock last night I reckon that's not the right sermons. And then I started praying out. I said, Lord, I, I need a message for today. And that's why I believe I want to talk to you today about the famine for the Word. And we're going to go back to the Old Testament into Amos. But, but what, let me just ask you, are you still reading the Word? Are you know what I'm talking about? The Word of God. Are you still reading your Bible? There's only a few who say yes. I don't know what the others do. But the few who say yes, I'm glad for you. Now let me ask you, are you still studying the Word? Because you know there's a difference between studying the Word and just casually reading the Word. Is the Holy Spirit still opening up the Word for you? Did you know that you have the Holy Spirit as your strength, as your guide to open up the Word for you? He makes it for you to understand and He teaches you about the things of God. You see, there's two words for the Word in the Bible. The one word is Logos, the written Word. It says in John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, Logos. And He was with God and He was God. He wasn't a God, He was God. That's Jesus Christ He talks about there. But then there's a second word for the Word in the New Testament. And that's the word Rima. And Rima is just the Logos where the Holy Spirit is applied to that. And that becomes the living word. This is just words written in a book. But if you open it up prayerfully and you ask the Holy Spirit to open it up for you, it will become the Rima in your life. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Now let me ask you again, are you reading the word? And is the Holy Spirit opening it up for you? And that is critically important. I mean, the Bible says in Psalms, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I do not want to go out in the morning out of my house, not study the word, not asking Him, our Lord, Heavenly Lord and Father, to direct my path. And the way that He do it is through His word. When it becomes Rima, the living word, that means when I go to my workplace, I carry with me the word of God inside of me. I share it with people, with excitement. Is that what you do? Or has it become a burden to you? Oh, I've got to do this. You know, there where they preach that in our church, they say we have to do this. Please don't do it if you have to do it. But if God illuminates it inside of you, it becomes living to you. And people will see that inside of you. And for the young people, the Bible says, How shall a young man keep his ways clean? How? How can you do that? You cannot take this world as a measure stick. You can't take the world as a plumb line. Who knows what's a plumb line? You cannot do that. The only thing you can use is the Word of God. So how did I come to this message? Well, during this week, I was sent, or there was a Facebook message posted on my news feed. And this was of a man called T.D. Jakes. And it was posted there, and I thought, let me listen to this clip. It was only a short clip. And he gave five things to improve your life. And let me tell you, out of those five things, no mention to the Word of God. And I got in my car, and as I usually do, I listen to a lot of sermons. I love sermons. And I listen wide. And there were three sermons this week which I started to listen. And let me tell you, some of those sermons, 10, 15, 20 minutes into the sermon, no mention of the Word of God. It is all psychology. It is all self-help. So I've got a blessing this morning, but I've got it out of the Old Testament. I've got a plumb line this morning, and it's from the prophet of Amos. I nearly said Amaos. But it's from him. And that's what I want us to look this morning at. You see, Amos was a farmer. 
and a shepherd. And God called him to come and tell the people and warn them against a judgment that was going to come upon them. But they didn't listen. And the Assyrians came and they took them away. But here is the words of Amos. And let me tell you, when I read through this, this verse, which I'm going to show you now, I sat there and I thought, Lord, how true it is to our day. How true it is and how applicable it is to today. So listen to this prophecy. Listen to it as if it's happened and listen to it as it is still happening in our day. So let's open up in Amos chapter 8 and we're going to look at verse 11. The Word of God says, Behold, the days are coming. Now remember this was an Old Testament prophet and he was saying the days are coming. You and I are sitting here and the days has already come. Says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land. I want you to identify this and see this. This, was, this came from the Lord and he says, I will send a famine. But what kind of famine is this, Amos? He says, not a famine of bread, nor of thirst for water, but a sharp contrast of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea. And the idea there is from east to west. And from north to east, they shall run to and fro seeking the word of the Lord, but shall not find it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. And Father, even if I say nothing now, I'm satisfied for your word has been spoken. And Father, as I said when I started the sermon today, I cannot open these words to these people. Only your Holy Spirit can, and thus I pray, Father, for your anointing on these words. And Father, my prayer is that every heart here shall open up to your word. And not listen to me as a man standing here, but Father, listen to me this morning as I use the words of Amos, not only to give a warning to us, but to show us the condition in the world we are living in. Father, we've got your word. We've got it in our hands. We've got it in our hearts. And with that comes a big responsibility. And Father, help us this morning as we come to your word that it open up in our hearts and the Rima, the Holy Spirit opens up to be, so that it becomes Rima in your lives. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that your prayer? So we'll see today that there is a famine of the Word of God. And we're going to look at three things in this prophecy today. First of all, we're going to see that it is different in some ways to our day today, but then it's also similar in other ways. And then finally we can see that it is producing similar results. This prophecy here. It is different in some ways than in Amos' day. It is similar in other ways, and it is producing similar results. And in our study today, we will compare the present day's famine with one foretold by Amos. So how is it different? Well, the present famine we're talking about for the Word of God is self-imposed. Think about that. The famine we are talking today is self-imposed. Remember when we went back there, he says, The Lord said that I will send this famine on the land. And there was a stop in the word that came out. We know about the 400 silent years between the last book of the Old Testament and the New Testament. There was just not a word. There's nothing written. God was still at work, but His word was silent. And to His people, after He stopped talking to them, we're going to discover that this morning, there was a silence. But you see, in those days, it was God-imposed, but today, it is self-imposed. And I've asked you those questions this morning. And I want you to think the whole time as we continue through. You see, we've got the Word of God. Everybody's got a Bible, just lift it up. If it's an iPad, that's okay, I understand that. So we've got the Word. It is the written Word. It is the complete Word of God. And we've got it with us. 
You see, God provided in abundance for us since the silent years, didn't He? We've got Matthew, we've got Mark. Who has studied through the book of Matthew? Who has studied through the book of Mark? Who have read Luke? Who knows what's going on in the book of Matthew? Who has read through all the letters of Paul? Have you done that? Have you read from verse, from cover to cover? Have you covered the whole thing? And everybody shakes their heads. So there's no excuse that we can point finger to God and say, Dear Lord, there was no word from you on this earth in our day. It was different in Amos' day, but in our day, dear friend, you've got the word of God in your hands. And we were so blessed by Peter, who's read his letters. What a blessing. I still find blessings out of that. You know what I find? The more I study the Scriptures, the more I study the word column, the less I understand I know nothing. The more I understand. And every time when I think I'm becoming really clever in this, and I want to come and stand up here and show, wow, man, I'm so clever in it, every time I think that I realize I'm nothing, and He's everything. That's what the word do to you. But you see, this famine I'm talking today is self-imposed. It is not God-imposed. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 says, God who at various times and various ways spoke in times past to the fathers through whom? Through the prophets. Do we need prophets? Come on church, do we still need prophets today? No, why? Because he answered it right there. He says, as in these last days, everybody say last days. Are we living in the last days? How did He talk to us? Well, it says it right there. He's spoken to us by His Son. By His Son. Whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the worlds. I love this. He's spoken to us by His Son. Now, let's take Paul quickly for an example. Open up in your Bibles with me and go to the book of Corinthians. How did God speak to us in these last days? By His Son. There's somebody who's listening. How did God speak to us in the last days? By His Son. It is written in your Bible. Now look at Paul for instance here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He comes to this church in Corinth and he writes them this letter. And in verse 1 we pick it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now everybody look at me. This man, Paul, was sitting under Gamaliel. Who knows who was Gamaliel? A very clever man. Now Paul didn't come here and write to them and quoted a passage out of Gamaliel's, Gamaliel's best-selling book, did he? He could have done that. None of the early fathers. He didn't come to them and say, Gamaliel said this, and let's take this paragraph of Gamaliel and take it and open it up and let's study this. Yet I see today and I hear today sermons in churches where other people's books are brought into the pulpit and they were studied as the Word of God. There's only one Word of God and you've got it in your hands. And this is why Paul says, I came to you not using any one of these people, but I come to you doing what? He continues, he says, For I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You know what I hear people saying, and it's becoming more and more so in the last 12 years, or before that I've heard it in New Zealand, people come to you and they say, this preacher such and such said this, 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 this and that. It's fantastic. And then they continue, and that preacher said this, 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 and that. And I asked them, I said, then what did Jesus say to you? <laughs> We've become a society who's put the word aside, of God aside, for other people's opinions. That's what's happening. It's in our day. Paul says, listen, I came to you not using any one of those. I came to you to preach the cross. The center point. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's not a message that everybody in the church today wants to hear, is it? No. You don't hear a lot of cross preaching in the churches anymore. No. And then he continues when he says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. 
Much trembling. You don't see that these days often, is it? People stand up here and say, wow, you know, I've come in the boldness. Wow, we should get boldness and, and storm. No, no, no. We come in weakness and in trembling and fear. Listen, let me just explain to you something here today. I'm standing in front of everybody of you today. That doesn't fear me as much as I'm standing and preaching God's word in front of Him today. That's a bigger fear for me than standing here and getting people's opinions whether they like it or not. He is the ultimate, the ultimate one who's got to put his stamp of approval on it. And this is why Paul writes down these words. He says, listen to this, I preach to you the cross. He continues on, he says, And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words and human wisdom, but with uh, demonstration of spirit and power, that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do I have to explain what I just said again? It is the word. You say, but how did Paul get this? And this is really interesting. Flick over to chapter 11. Just flick over to chapter 11. We all used it. And Colm used it. Did you use chapter 11 Corinthians? No. But sometimes people use this. And this is fascinating for me. Uh, Chapter 11 verse 23. 1 Corinthians 11 23. So what does Paul say here? Can somebody read the first line out loud? For, amen. Just that part. For I receive from the Lord. Who spoke to Paul? No, 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 no. I received from Peter. Peter told me. Because this is the fascinating thing. Paul, Paul wasn't there in the upper room, was he? Most probably he was at the cross, but the one throwing stones. Or saying crucify. But he wasn't there. In any other way. So he received from the Lord himself. In fact, when he got saved in the book of Acts, he spent three years in the desert of Arabia. And what happened there? Jesus Christ himself ministered to Paul. So where did he receive this from? He received it straight from the Lord. Hence I tell you this morning, in the old times God spoke through the prophets, but these days he spoke through his son. And now that Paul received, see what happens. He says, For I received from the Lord that which I also deliver to you. Friend, if you don't receive the word of God in your own heart, you've got nothing to give other people. If you aren't saved by the blood of the Lamb, you can't proclaim uh, and go and, and tell people about it. You receive it first, it changes your life, and then it's in the overflow that people see that in you. So let me continue. So here we see, in the old time he spoke by his son. Look at Luke chapter 16 verse 28. We all know this passage. He says, For I have five brothers, so that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. The story here or, is of a man who was rich, and Lazarus was at his gates, and both of them died, and at this point in time, Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham, and between the two of them, there's this deep uh, um, cliff where they couldn't get over from one side to the other, and what happened? This man sitting in torment, he cries out, and all of a sudden he says, go tell my brothers, they need to read the word. That's what he tells them. He says, Lord, verse 28, uh, verse 29, Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. Moses and the prophets to them was the Bible, the Word. And what does he say? He says, no, no, Abraham. But if one should go from the dead, they would not repent. He says, listen, I know my brothers, they are not reading their Word. They don't read Moses and the prophets. They don't do it, they're too lazy. They're too busy. You see... It is different in our day. It's self-imposed. And he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even though one rise from the dead. Now, when I prepared this passage, I remember the story about a man who went on a cruise. And he bought his ticket. It was a two-week cruise. And he thought, look, he's only got enough money to buy that ticket. And he hasn't got enough to buy the whole package, he thought. So he collected cheese crackers and cheese. So he had cheese and the crackers. And he had enough of them in his suitcase. He thought, look, the crackers are not going to go off and the cheese is okay. You know, after 12 days it might smell a bit, but it is still good. You know, I can eat that. 
So he got into the ship, onto the cruise ship, and he, he got into his little cabin, and he was sitting there, and he got out, and he walked up, and there were people just feasting from everything. And he thought, well, that's fine. That's okay, because I've got my crackers and my cheese. Man, I can't wait to get back into my cabin to go and eat my crackers and cheese. So he went back, and he had his crackers and his cheese, and it was really good. But I'll tell you one thing. By the third day, crackers and cheese... Ain't so good anymore, is it? So he saw these people walking up and down with these trays and knock on doors and he walked and he said, Oh, that smells so good. But I've got my crackers and my cheese. So by the fifth day, crackers and cheese is just what it is. Crackers and cheese. And he walked on deck and he looked at these people and they're eating hamburgers and it's pizzas and whatever. You know, it's great fruits and he, and he goes, Oh, if I only paid. Oof. So eventually came day seven and he couldn't take it any longer and one of these people walked past with an empty tray and he stopped him. He says, look, just tell me, how much will it cost me to buy one of those? And, and the guy said, let me have a look at your ticket. And he brought his ticket out. He says, it's included. <laughs> Here he was living on crackers and cheese all this time whilst he could have all of that. You see, dear friends, this is what we have again in our day. We listen to people who just gives us a little bit, you know, just a morning quick word for five minutes. And we live on that. It's crackers and cheese. Or just a short snippet. You know these snippets words? Nothing wrong with that. Bring it on. You know, it's great to have one of those. I've, I've got an app. Four times a day, it, it just pushes me through a verse on my phone. And it goes off, ping, and I know there's a new verse sitting there. And it does, sometimes in a meeting, it's fantastic. The, you know, it, it vibrates and I take it on and I go, oh yeah, it's the app. And I, I see a scripture verse. That's crackers and cheese. And look, crackers and cheese in its time is fantastic. But I normally have crackers and cheese after a nice dinner. Yes? That's when it's really nice. It smooth things over. But I love the dinner. And here it is, dear friends. In our day, people are living off crackers and cheese. We've got Moses and the prophets, but they are still living off that. And then secondly, we've got the Holy Spirit. You see, it's the same, but it's different. We've got the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 25. These things I've spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, what will He do? He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. It's the Word and the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Holy Spirit. So let's think about Amos. He says the Lord will send a famine on the land the Word of God won't be there. We have the Word. We have the Holy Spirit. But then again, and I, I just want to read to you this poem which I came across. Listen to this. He says, The Lord I love went on ahead to make a home for me, He said. He would come back again. And He, O oh gracious love, He wrote to me. He knew I was so weak and blind and foolish that I could not find the road alone. He wrote me things that all the earth's wise men and its kings, He never guessed, but I foreknow, for I read His letter and oh, the depths of love on every sheet, my soul is trembling at His feet. What would He have thought of me if when I saw Him I should say, I was too busy every day to read the letter you wrote to me. I really hadn't time for thee. That is so true of what I just showed you. Dear friends, we've got the Word of God and if, if, if I can accomplish one thing today and that is to get in your heart the urgency to read and study the Word of God, please, please read it. But you see, it is also similar as in His day. You see, the present famine for the Word of God is similar uh, because of material luxury. Look at uh, Amos 6 verse 1. He says, Woe to you who are at ease in Zion. Look, dear friends, I look upon the people these days and a lot of people are at ease. She'll be alright, mate. She'll just be good. Don't worry about this. 
Young people, oh, you know what, I'm going to enjoy my life. It's an easy life. Things are happening good for me. She's just at ease. And trust in Mount Samaria. Notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Go over to Colneth and see, and, and from there to Hamath the Great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Are you better than these kingdoms? Or is their territory greater than your territory? What's Amos saying? He says you're trusting in Samaria, this place that you've set up so strong and mighty. Look at all these other who were mightier and they came down. Do you think you are better than them? Woe to you who put far off the day of doom. There's some woes in here. Who cause the sweat or the seat of violence to come near. Who lie on beds of ivory. You see the luxury? Stretch out on your couches. Eat lambs. That's the nice meat from the flock. The soft meat, the lambs. And calves from the midst of the stall. Who sing idly the sound of string instruments and invent for yourself musical instruments like David. Who drink wine from bowls and anoint yourselves as the best ointments, but are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Therefore they shall, go, shall now go captive as the first of the captives, and those who recline at the banquet shall be removed. The Lord God has shown, uh, sworn by himself, the Lord God of hosts says, I abhor the pride of Jacob and hate his palaces. Therefore I will deliver up the city and all that is in it. Friends, this was written back in Amos' day. But you look at the condition of the church today and you find so many similarities. Prosperity preachers, it's all about the money. People sitting in churches, it's all about luxury. And he says, look, there's a famine coming of the word. And as we've seen, it is self-imposed. You see, God had warned Israel about this. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 11, he says, Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments. Don't forget God. His judgments and His statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have been built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. Look, there's nothing wrong to have all of that, but beware that you do not forget the Lord your God. Do not forget Him. Jesus warned us. In Luke 8.14, he says, Now the ones that fell amongst the thorns, he talks about the seed. What happened to them are those who, when they have heard, go out and are choked with cares, riches and pleasures of life, and bring no fruit of maturity. The Word of God, you know, it is similar. It is similar because of moral corruption. First one is, is material Luxury. Second one is moral corruption. Do you know that we are living in a society today that is morally corrupted? Absolutely. Things that we're seeing now, even ten years ago, will be taboo. Is that a right word? Taboo. It will be not happening. People will be so ashamed. You know, clothes people are wearing, young people are wearing, things that's going on. You couldn't... 20 years ago, tell somebody about gay and lesbianism. It is absolutely seen as, as, as what it is, a dreadful sin. It is moral corruption. There's a lot of things that's just happening around us. But in the midst of all stands the Word of God. Consider how corrupt these people have become. Amos chapter 2 verse 6. Thus says the Lord, for three transgressions of Israel and for four I will not turn away its punishment. Because they sell their silver, righteous for silver, that's bribery. And the poor for a pair of sandals, they pervert justice. I've, I've just heard yesterday we were at a friend's place and I've heard about this, this man who's going to be released in Adelaide who is a, um, a pedophile. And, and, you know, he's one of the worst. And, and when, when it came out, they said the chances that he's going to reoffend is very, very high. Yet they let him go in society. Morally corrupt. But it's happening in the church as well. It's not just in society. They pant after the dust of the earth 
which is on the head of the poor. They're greedy for money. And pervert the way of the humble. A man and his father going to the same girl to defile my holy name. They lie down by every altar on, on, on cloths taken in plates and drink the wine of the condemned in the house of their gods. Listen friends, we need to say these things in church. I've been sitting in this church for, it's three years now, and I haven't seen this church as a PC correct church. Are you Pastor Werner? We're not PC correct in this church. We say it as it is. If the Bible says it's a sin, it's a sin. We don't say it's not a sin or a sickness just to, to soothe other people. We say it how it is. So who can deny this morning that immorality is having its effect on the church? We can't deny that. You see, the world's standards is now the church standards. Because the church wants to adapt to the world. So the spirit of the world has entered into the church. And thank God we're sitting here this morning where the strong preaching from the pulpit keeping it out. I've come across this and I just thought I'll, I have to put this up for you. This is a church in America. This is their magazine. And I want you to look at these things. It is uh, East Lake Community Church. Just to make the point. Come across that. Look at this. Loud music. Oh man, we're going to do, 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 do. We're going to put it on. Real people. Now, I wonder what we are. <laughs> Can the real people please stand up? Fun kids programs. Thanks, Father. <laughs> Amen. Fun kids programs. You know, therein lies the problem. These fun kids programs. Let me tell you, dear friends, in our day and age, when I grew up, I had to sit in church. And if I play up, my dad would take me out, give me a smack and bring me back. Children in my day and age knew how to listen to a sermon. These days they can't sit and listen to sermons. You want to know why? Because of fun kids' programs. You know, while the adults sit and listen to the Word, we're going to play games. Well, keep on playing games and wonder why there's a famine for the Word of God. We've said it in New Zealand. You know, when you come to the age of seven, you come and sit in the church and you listen. We've had a boy there. Man, I can testify until tonight, dear friends. We've had a boy there. He didn't want to go to Sunday school. He sat there and he grew up. He, he was, when we saw that he was four years old when we met these people. They came to church. He sat in the church every single Sunday. We preached to it and some days I thought, man, you know, big man talk, small child sitting there is going over. He turned ten years old. He came to me and says, Pastor, I want to give my heart to the Lord. Amen. And you know, I wanted to make sure. You know, is it his parents putting pressure on him? Is it anybody else? And I sat him down and I said, why would you want to do this? He said, every time when you preach the word, there's some, there's some warm burning feeling coming on my heart. I love to hear the preaching of the word. That's what he said. Listen to me, parents. Get your children in church. Let them listen. They will not understand. But that discipline will come into them to listen to the word. You can't go wrong. Fun kids programs, short services. Well, <laughs> they won't last here. <laughs> Look at this one here. Casual atmosphere, serious faith. Casual atmosphere. Here will come in your thongs. Honoring God, building friends, having a blast. And then this was shocking, dear friends. For four weeks of sex education, that was it, what it was all about. But friends... Let me tell you one thing, and I'm going to just talk off the cuff here right now. It is my and my wife's responsibility to teach our children sex education. It is not, listen to me, that it's not the world's work. They have done a bad job about it, and they are continuing doing And look, the fruit of that is still coming. We haven't seen that yet. Again, lesbianism is only the start. Let me tell you that. It is not the school's job to teach your children about sex education. Let's be frank about this. And it's not the church's job either. Mum and dad, it is your work. The church just supports you in what you say. You see, it starts at home. I go back. We're similar like in those days because of moral corruption. That's a fun church to join. 
But luckily they can take all the joiners. In this church you have to be born into the body of Christ through the blood. Amen. Let's continue. How is it similar? Through religious corruption. That's going on in our day, isn't it? It was in the day of Amos. Amos 8 verse 40 says, Hear this, you who swallow up the needy and make the poor of the land fail, saying, When will the new moon be passed, that we may sell in grain, and the Sabbath, that we may trade wheat, making the epoch small and the sickle large, falsifying the scales of by deceit, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, even sell the bad wheat, the Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their works. There's people who sit there and they go, geez, you know, we have to go to church and we've got to sit there for two hours. Oh man, I can't wait for it to go over. Now look, that, that is not as much as what he's saying here. There is moral, there is religious corruption that has entered into the house of God. And God says, I'm going to send in a famine of the word of God. People will hold on to religion. We've heard that sermon. They will be religious, but not a relationship. You know, people at work ask me, are you a religious man? I say, no, I'm a man of faith. Amen. There's a difference there. Well, what faith are you? Are you uh, a Christ lamb? Are you Islam? Are you Christian? Are you Buddhist? Are you this? I say, no, I'm a child of God. Oh, a child of God. What kind of child of God are you? Are you a Baptist child of God? Are you a Presbyterian? No, no, no. I'm a blood-washed child of God. Oh, what kind of blood-washed child of God are you? No, no. I'm a spirit-filled blood-washed child of God. There's no comeback on that. You see, dear friends, you've got it. I mean, it is, it, it is a religious corruption that's taking place. Honestly, I appreciate the fact that I can just overflow this morning of the things that I've heard this week. People are saying, and you know what you hear in the background? You hear the applause. You hear the amen, amen, preach it. And I think, what are you preaching? It's gobbledygoo. It's nonsense. Can I use this word? It is rubbish, because that is what it is. Let us not go there. Let us read your word. That's why I started asking you, are you reading? Are you studying? So, let's quickly finish and say, it's producing similar results. And you'd be surprised to see these results. We can see it amongst us, around us. Amos 8 verse 13. In that day, the fair virgins and the strong, strong young men shall faint from thirst. They shall faint from thirst. This thirst is not water thirst. It's a thirst from the Word of God. And look, he uses these words. He says, the fair virgins and the strong young men. He talks about our children, our youth. He says, they shall faint. Those who swear by the sin of Samaria, who says, as your God lives, O Dan, and as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. Listen, this is a serious message. This is a warning to you and to me. It's a prophecy, like I say, it happened, but it is still happening and it is similar. And there is the same results. There's two results here. The first one is the young people faint from thirst. I was involved in New Zealand with the Disabled Trust. And, and that's working with disabilities. With children, with children with schizophrenia, they were there. Multiple sclerosis, people who had strokes... And all of those disabled, I, I was invited to, to join hands with them, and I did. And they invited me to go and preach on their, one of their camps. So I went to this camp, and there's 400 to 500 people in this hall, because they've got a disabled and a helper, an able-bodied person. It's fantastic. I really enjoyed it, and I missed that. And you know what I did when I came in and I started preaching? Everybody was sitting there and anticipating, waiting, this new preacher, what he's going to preach. And I said, can everybody who's got a Bible lift up their Bible? How many Bibles do you think I saw? Three. In a hall of that many, three. 
these young people, able-bodied people, was from a mega church on the north shore of Auckland, who they sent to go and help these people. So here was sitting young people, and it, I think it was by 50 or 60 of one particular church. None of them had a Bible there. And dear friends, all I did is I preached a simple message out of the Word of God. I opened it up, and I didn't have this on there. I just opened up my Bible and I said, this is what we're going to... And I preached that. And I gave them a meaning of one word. Where he says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You shall receive power when the Spirit comes. I said that word power is from the Greek word dunamos, or dynamite. I said, Dunamis is like a, a dynamite day, or a dynamite is, is exploding, and that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. I said, but Dunamis is also dynamo. And that particular verse wants you to be a dynamic witness for Christ. Not all these, and I said it from that pulpit, there's my wife. I said it from the pulpit, I said, not all these things that's going on under the banner of Holy Spirit and jumping around and doing all these funny things, it is to be a dynamic witness. And then I explained the word witness to them, I said, witness there comes from the word martyr, which means to die for what you believe in. So he says, become a dynamic martyr for Christ. That's all. I walked out of that hall. And there's a group of 15 to 20 young people waiting for me outside. Waiting for me. And as I, I, didn't, I walk out and I say, Pastor, Pastor, please come over here. Just tell us more about that. It's the Word. You know what I've recognized? A famine for the Word. Dear friends, our young people will come back into the church, listen to me today, once we preach the Word of God, and once they sit and listen to the Word of God. And, and look, when I say young people, I'm starting to talk about the ones which is that height. When do you start with your child when they're in the cradle? I'm, I'm doing a little bit of parenting now. It's in the cradle. That's when you start telling them, not stories. Tell them about Christ. But parents, let them see it in your lives as they grow up. There's two results of this famine. The first one is the young people faint from thirst and others falling and not rising again. You see, this describes the daily lives of many Christians today. I want you to listen now as I finish. You see, there's a lot of suffering from a lack of spiritual food in the church. There are people who are easily overcome by temptation these days. I'm not talking to the world here, I'm talking to the church. Even the common trials of life overwhelm them. Why? It is because of a lack of spiritual food. You know what I'm talking about? The Word, the preaching of the Word. Understanding. That's why I say not reading it. Understanding the Word. Opening it up. And understanding the passage and say, Lord... I, I don't want to be a, a academic about this and quote all the scriptures. You know, I can get a parrot to do that for you. You know, we had a parrot, in, uh, 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 a rainbow lorikeet in, in New Zealand. And you can teach him a lot of things. You know, I walk by and say, hello Max. Guess what happened? After a while he said, hello Max. <laughs> People come and visit us and they walk into the room and he go, hello Max. I couldn't teach him to say their names. <laughs> but he says, hello Max. <laughs> we take him to the vet to cut his nails because we don't want him to bleed dead. And he, we walk and he see the dogs. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. Hello, Max. You can teach a parrot to save scripture verses. <laughs> he made the phone. I mean, he started doing the phone. The phone rings every day and the phone starts ringing around for the phone. But the only thing he couldn't get right is the timing. So that's what I, I got him. So the phone will ring. And he would do the same thing. And then there's a gap. And Max started doing the same, but he couldn't get that timing right. He goes, and I, I laughed at him. I said, I got you. <laughs> but you see the thing, friends, I'm not sitting here today and say you need to become an academic, but I want you to open up the word and say, Lord, like it says in the book of James, this is a mirror. Measure me up against that. Do that yourself, otherwise this famine will come upon you. Now, the thing is, dear friends, this may help us to understand why some new Christians fall away. Have you ever wondered about that? 
You know, it's fantastic. I hear about these great, and I was, uh, you know, I was invited to New Zealand to one of a reach out from an American pastor who came. And I went. I don't normally go to these things, but I went. And there were thousands of people in this room, men. It was just for men. And they preached and they made an altar call and, and, and thousands went down. And my question is, on Monday, where are they? Next week and Sunday, where are they? And what really got me upset is when they came half an hour later onto the stage and say, we just want to declare that today a thousand five hundred people gave their hearts to the Lord. How do you know? How do you know? Do you know that really? Look, I'm not against them preaching the gospel. Don't get me wrong here, dear friends. But some of these people come and they fall away. If you're not strong and get the milk of the Word and grow into the strength in the Word, that's what will happen. And a lot of young people will often lose interest. There are two things that are necessary to resist trials and temptations. Two things, which I found personally in my life. The first one that I found is the faith in God. Believing that He will provide an escape. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 No temptation has overtaken you except such as a common to man. But God is faithful. Do you believe in that? Do you believe that God is faithful? Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Now, I need to put this verse into context. Not to grab it because some people just take this and they live a reckless life and say, well, Lord will provide. No, no, that's not what he means. We've had a brother who was living on this verse. He lost his job and I was worried for him. He had a family. But every time I came to him, he was so calm. And I said, what's going on? He says, no, that's fine. It will happen. You know, the right job will come. And eventually he did. You see, through difficult times and trials of temptation, faith in God is one thing. The second thing is the fear of God. If you've got the fear of God in your life, you will resist trials and temptations. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 6, In mercy and truth, atonement is provided for iniquity, and by the fear of the Lord, one departs from evil. Yes? So there are two things that is necessary to resist these trials. And you, you learn about God, and the more you learn about God, the more you fear God. Did you know that? Let me just throw it in here. You know, people where I'm sitting at work, they use the Lord's name in vain. At your place as well? And it irritates me. I, I, really, it irritates me. They use the Lord's name as a swear word. And I have the young people who come to me and they say, I just want to walk up to them and tell them. You know, I want to give them a piece of my mind. It's, it's my Lord and I get that. And they ask the question, why do they do that? And I'll tell you why they do that. Because they don't know Him. If they knew Him, they wouldn't do that. It is like, if we say, and just think with me now, out of space comes this person who's never been on the earth and we put a lion in this hall and we don't give him food for a week and he's just strong enough to eat and to catch and to kill and this lion is in this hall and we bring this person in with no knowledge about the earth and we drop him into this hall what's he going to do? he's going to walk over to this thing and go little kitty kitty cat kitty cat kitty cat does he fear the lion? no what happens the next moment? This lion is so hungry, he bites his whole arm off. He goes, Out! Why did you do that? Now, let's take that same man with that experience and we bring him into this room. What's going to happen? He's going to have a fear for that lion. Why? Because he's got knowledge of that. A lot of people need to have the fear of God. And the fear of God will make one depart from evil. The Word of God is designed to impart both of these things. So Romans chapter 10 verse 17, So faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Deuteronomy 17, 18, and, and it shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book and from one of his priests and Levites. And it shall be with him and he shall read it all the days of his life that they may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of the law and these statutes that his heart may not be lifted above his brethren, that he may not turn aside from the commandments to the right and to the left, and that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. This was written to the kings. A king, when he became a king, had to take 
the law. He had to take the book and he had to write his own copy. <clears throat> Have you taken the Bible and written it your own version? Not your version, your own copy? Maybe it's a challenge for somebody to take the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and write your own copy. Copy it word by word. Write it out. You'll be blessed. These men had to do it. It was only the, the law, the Old Testament. And you know why they did it? Because as they wrote it, they started learning about God and feared God. Dear friends, I give you to this morning the prophecy of Amos. He's going to bring a famine. That famine is not in our day because God has given us His Word. He's given us His Spirit. Let it not be self-inflicted. This morning I want to encourage you. I want you to end this famine. And how do we do it? As it says in the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 32. So now brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You end a drought by starting to get into God's Word. And we must feed on it. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 1, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy and evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the Word, that you may grow thereby, indeed have the taste that the Lord is gracious. And Psalm 1 verse 1 is a wonderful verse too, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. Is there a famine in your house? The way you stop a famine in your house is open up the Word of God. Start reading it. Start studying it. Can you see this morning that Amos' prophecy came to fulfillment for the nation? It was written for them. But there's also a prophetic application to our day and a local application to each one of us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, as we've opened up your word and we've studied it and opened it up. And Father, it is a serious message, Lord, but it's a warning. It's a warning for us, Lord, to stay in this time, in these times that we are living and as things are getting worse in the world, Father, we are getting refreshed day by day. Refreshed by you and through your word, I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody say Amen. We want to sing one song and then we'll drink tea and coffee. A song that I like. It says, I want God's way to be my way. Yes, please.